0: Welcome to Portal to Ascension Radio. Together we will embark on a journey of awakening and exploration. I'm your host and the founder of Portal to Ascension, Neil Gore. Since 2008, we have been dedicated to providing a stream of awareness on a range of empowering and consciousness-raising topics. Through our events, webinars, conferences, retreats, and workshops, we bring together a community of researchers, spiritualists, archaeologists, consciousness explorers, and other experts who share their knowledge and insights. Our platform serves as a resource for discovering the ancient origins of humanity unraveling the truth of the extraterrestrial presence, holistic wellness, exposing hidden truths, and expanding our awareness beyond the third dimension. On our YouTube channel, you will find full-length presentations and interviews that dive deeper into all you experience on this podcast. Search for Portal to Ascension on YouTube. On Portal to Ascension Radio, we feature captivating discussions, interviews, and presentations. Our guests are all featured on our website, portaltoascension.org, where you can sign up to receive free access to hundreds of presentations covering the diverse awareness we explore. Portal to Ascension Radio is here to guide you on this extraordinary quest as we shift into the next octave of existence. We appreciate and love you. Let's get into today's discussion.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome. Got music playing in the background. Let me see if I can turn that off. Welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. I decided to do this one live, less editing, so you're going to hear all the mistakes. I can't edit them out. And I've got the fabulous Neil Gore on the show with me again today. G'day, Neil. Welcome to another conversation.
0: Thank you, Karen. I always love being here with you.
1: Yeah, so Neil reached out to me, I think, at the end of last year and said, I want to talk about ancient history. And, you know, true history and what's going on with all that sort of stuff. And I said, oh, yeah, that sounds good. And then we mm-hmm. connect we connect because we've tried to connect a few times this year and it hasn't happened. And he's like, what are we talking about today? I said, ancient history. And he goes, mm, maybe we can talk about the Arcturians and galactic heritage. So we're going to go all over, all around the shop Everywhere. today with yes. all that sort of stuff. I'm sure I've had Neil on the show, I don't know, a few times. I'm sure people that have uh, watched my shows know who Neil is. He's the founder and creator of Portal to Ascension which puts on uh, webinars and seminars and events and, you know, showcases the new world teachers all over the world and tell people where you are at the moment. You're in the Yucatan.
0: Yeah. I'm in the Yucatan peninsula, just an hour South of Cancun in a place called Playa del Carmen. So I'm not like, oh, I'm out two hours from Chichen Itza.
1: Whoa. So what are you doing mm-hmm. there?
0: Well, over the last 10 years, um, I got I separated from my ex two years ago, right? Two and a half years ago. And then mm-hmm. in the last two and a half years, I've lived here for almost like 11 months on and off. So it's kind of my home base. And then um, in the eight years before that, I was coming down every year for a few weeks anyway to the Yucatan because of my connection to the Mayan people. I have a deep connection to the Mayan. So the first time I came down here, I felt like I literally felt like kissing the ground. It was, wow. um, it was a feeling of like I'd been there before for two birthdays in a row because I'd always come down. This is like a... Um, hidden secret for everybody who wants to visit here best time of year to come is um november to the end of december january to march it's high season november to seven great weather so i would come for my birthday in november and i would just be on like sitting on a pyramid for all day of my birthday and i feel like i've had many lives as a maya so um i felt that connection and i don't know if you know this but i was living in england for the last six months and it was it was cool. I was born there. A lot of energy, a lot of things coming up for me to the surface. You know, had to deal with. And after kind of having a rough time in England, I felt I needed to go back to somewhere where I felt nurtured and was a very familiar place. You know, so I'm here now, basically rebuilding a lot of things that um, personally for myself and also for the business.
1: Wow. So you feel connected to the Mayans. I'll mm-hmm. Let me put myself back on screen. Do you know what happened to the Mayans? Like there's a lot of hearsay about where they went, where they came from, who they were. Have you delved into that? Have you had any past life regressions with that? What's your take on what's going on?
0: That's a good question because so a lot of times when we look at like ancient aliens or um, um, alternative history kind of shows, you find a lot of awareness about the Mayans disappearing, that they, you know, that they were here and no longer exist, right? And some people say that they moved to the fifth dimension. And I actually created a presentation on my YouTube channel that specifically is called Where Did the Mayans Vanish to? Right. It's a 30-minute presentation just about that. And it's kind of a clickbait because they didn't really vanish. <laughs> you know? So the what happened is there was mm-hmm. one city in North Guatemala that had a huge um, uh, population disappeared. we don 't know where they went, right, so that was the one that we have blanket statement the whole of the Mayan civilization um, but and then, in regards to where the mayan are now, there's over one million Mayan descendants that are almost pure blooded Mayans still living here, right yeah. so and so a lot of the Mayans still existed, and then there's a third element. What um, occurred was that you know, the Mayan Peninsula, it, the Mayan civilization, they expanded into Guatemala, into Belize, into uh, mid-Mexico, and central Mexico, and of course the Yucatan Peninsula. There was a migration from north of the Yucatan into the south of the Yucatan during two cataclysmic events and also drought that occurred. So the Chapas region, if anybody out there knows about Chapas, Chapas region is north of the Yucatan, and it basically is where Palenca is. So when the, for example, when the conquistadors came and they started exploring um, that area first before they found the Yucatan, the first places that they went to were completely abandoned Mayan sites. There was no one living there except for rural uh, farmers and other ancient tribes that have taken over that area. So there was a huge migration that occurred from north into the south. And that was because there was an asteroid impact in 700 A.D., that took place in around Palenque area, and they just shifted the climate and shifted the whole area, and they moved down south. So, there was one migration that happened that was just a conventional migration based on the cataclysmic impact for that area. There was another migration that happened where one city disappeared, hundreds of thousands of people. And then the, the other reality is a lot of people say, like, I was taught, I was out in school and college, that the mines disappeared, right? similar to what they might want you to think in North America. Oh, the Native Americans disappeared. They don't tell you, hey, they were killed from diseases and war, right?
1: And But there's
0: over 1 million people here still that are Mayan. There's like 20 plus dialects of Maya. In the central Yucatan Peninsula, they only stopped teaching Maya as the a first language five years ago. So they were still teaching people this, but now Spanish has become the number one language in the middle of the Yucatan. whereas only as recent as five years ago, they were being raised with Maya dialect first before they even got taught Spanish.
1: Wow. I have um, a recollection that we've had this conversation before. We might have had this conversation before. But, uh, yeah, the Mayans, because they were one of those civilizations that were highly evolved, one of those civilizations on the planet where our normal history says oh, no, that didn't exist. They were primitive, and yet there's proof of all these highly evolved civilizations. Now, I read in a book, I can't remember which book it was, that there's been at least half a dozen civilizations on this planet that have evolved to heightened states, I suppose, Mm -hmm. Lemuria, Atlantis, and then they've been wiped out and then we've started again. But that's happened like maybe half a dozen times, not just once with the Atlanteans and Lemurians or, or the Mayans. That's happened quite a few times. What do
0: you yeah, know exactly. about that? Yeah, so the Mayans, like, I feel that that localized community that actually we don't have evidence of where they went, you know, they could have gone anywhere. They could have even traveled somewhere else in the world and set up a colony there, right? But they, we know that the Mayans were actually working on spiritual information, spiritual awareness. They had the god um, Quesicuadal, they had their own version of the serpent god. Um, they had um, stories and depictions of celestial craft moving in the sky, right? and all and an obvious connection also to india that's a whole other story right you can look on the internet and type in the mayan connection to ancient india and you'll start seeing that there's a lot of similarities and i'll give you one like one of them is the word maya is actually a sanskrit word so in in sanskrit maya means illusion so the mayans are the people of the illusion right and that becomes very interesting if you just think about what does that even mean the people of the illusion are we in a simulation how advanced was their awareness were they aware that's that and did they call themselves that because they realized we are the maya we are the people manifesting the illusion also if you hear the mayan speak like the mayan dialect when i first time i heard the mayan speak i thought i was listening to ancient sanskrit mantras ah. yeah so the, the 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 language is very similar too i met an um um, a shaman down here that he's from Mexico City so he has Aztec roots but he also teaches Mayan um, shamanism and also Lakota shamanism he's combined a lot together he's traveled to India too he's an adamant believer that the uh, ancient Indians has some sort of teleportation technology that took him to the Mayan peninsula in order to basically start that civilization out there and I'll just add this part to it So what it seems is like this gets now to the cycles of time, right? You're aware of the cycles of time, the four ages. the So just for anybody out there, I mean, I speak about it all the time now. So for anybody out there who isn't aware, the four ages, right? The Yuga cycles, every ancient civilization speaks about them. And I even have a presentation where I show 200 civilizations in small print that all speak about it just to show you that this is real. But only in India do we have dating. The rest of them talk about, the the periods of what people acted like during that time, right? So uh, when it comes to uh, looking at the cycles and when we go from one age to another age, there's a transitionary phase. And it seems that when we fall from grace, right? Fall from grace, biblical term, that's completely connected to a reality of falling from one age to another age. When we fall from grace, say that we're in a higher age and now we're falling into a lower age. There's all these people within the age before that do not want to fall into a lower age because they're aware that that's happening, right? And it seems that there's a restructuring of society where people from that other age go and find each other across the world and create a colony with all these different influences and culture influences from around the world in order to try to maintain the consciousness of the age before, right? Uh, I'll give you one example, the Indus Valley Civilization. Okay. So we'll take a little detour and talk about Indus Valley, and then we'll go back to connecting to the Maya. Right? So the Indus Valley civilization from um, 3,000-4,000 BC, the end of uh, one age um, in the beginning of another Yuga cycle, and When we look at that civilization, we have all this evidence that it was migration routes from Egypt, migration route from Mesopotamia, Eurasian steppes, North Eurasia, modern-day Ukraine and Russia coming down south, Iranian farmers coming from the Aryan mountains, you know, and it's all these people started coalescing together. Now we don't see any hierarchy there. There's no evidence of kings or queens there. There's um, there's no evidence of organizational structure there. There's no buildings with names on it of who built the buildings like all the other places during that time, right? It seems like it was a society trying to mimic the civilizations that existed before and maintain a non-hierarchical organization where everybody was seen, heard, and I guess appreciated. You know that there's no evidence for war, even when they disappeared. There's no weapons, there's nothing, right? So the Mayan civilization, in my opinion, and from researching and speaking to some, even tour guides around here that have had time to think about it even more, it seems that, you know, first of all, Palenque, right? Palenque is much older than what we've been told it is, like many places in the world. And there's evidence in Palenque of actual, you um, Hebrew writing, right? Like ancient Ar- Aramaic kind of Hebrew um, text. There's evidence of dragon-like structures that look exactly like the dragon structures in China, right? There's also a symbol there that looks like a chakra symbol, and so the the theory is that. When the Mayan civilization first got created, you know, the Mayan people, they, what do they look like? They look like an indigenous from the Americas. They look like an Indian person from India. They look like a Chinese person, all got together and had a baby, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like they, so, and so basically, one of the tribes of um, Solomon, right, left and an Indian civilization left. People from all over the world left during the fall of an age and they coalesced. the mayan civilization area they came together around maybe three thousand, same time as the indus valley civilization and then they shared all their ideas of the civilization they had before right and then they created a civilization combining all this ancient wisdom all these spiritual truths and founded the mayan empire at that time they probably looked very different fast forward 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years later, when the, and the 4,500 years later when the conquistadors showed up, right? And that's conventional timing. I'm not talking about expanding it, right? 4,500 years later, it's a mixed race of people that look pretty much very similar to one another, right? Because they've been intermingling for so long. And now you have the Mayan civilization. So my theory is that they were at an advanced state of consciousness. However, when you exist for that long, you are also, unless you have some sort of technology, you're also quote unquote victim to the cycles of time. So we start seeing things like ritual, realistic sacrifice and things like that, worshiping the gods um, in a way that is kind of like a lack of mentality that we need to do this in order to get this. We start seeing that in mind civilization. And since that's what we're taught, we start thinking that, oh, this civilization was primitive, this is the way they acted, right? What, what we don't realize is that if we look back far enough, we see that there was more of an evolved state of consciousness and over time it devolved. And then, of course, then they get invaded and then it becomes a warlike civilization. You know, So that's kind of my theory on what happened down here.
1: Whoa. Well, wow. There's, um, there's a couple of uh, comments here. Uh, julianne says can the palladians be spoken about i wonder if the palladians had anything to do with the mayans at all where did the where did they come from did they come from what planet did they come from and uh are yeah. destiny everything and love has no corners a couple of comments here yeah well, it's so,
0: interesting because maya is a, is a is a planet in the as well it is yeah so yeah. do you
1: think they do you think that they came from the let me ask you how big is the palladians do you know like is it just massive a massive constellation of planets
0: i don't know but since we're here having fun let's figure it out together uh all right cool well it's it's 17.5 light years across okay hundreds of stars so you know first of all we call it the seven sisters, sisters. Right? the seven stars that's because that's what we can see from earth and those are the biggest ones but there's actually hundreds of stars there 17.5 light years across and it's located 444 light years away from earth that's pretty cool <laughs> so,
1: let's go there for a holiday
0: <laughs> I know right so the connection to the Pleiades oh hard core connection to the Pleiades actually and because you know I have a whole presentation that I did recently where I have uh, two slides dedicated to the Maya and the Pleiades connection but honestly like I wrote, did it so long ago, I don't remember all the details. All I can say is that there's a lot of numerology connected to that. Even when we see the number seven showing up multiple times in the Maya, it's their connection to the Pleiades. Uh, well, um, some time ago as well, I created a different presentation. And one slide on there was me trying to show how many ancient civilizations claim to have a connection to the Pleiades. So if you look on the internet and you type in something like... Um, ancient civilizations that that speak about the Pleiades it will take you to a Wikipedia page there'll be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of ancient civilizations listed on the Wikipedia page with a link right this is when I did it before hopefully it's still out with a link to each of those civilizations you click on it it takes you to the Wikipedia page with a highlighted area about the Pleiades right so many ancient cultures spoke about the connection to the Pleiades and my and this is a great conversation to get in with you now it's like So my understanding is that we are all seeded from star beings and that specific races on the planet, we all have a common genetics of the the main species that was on the planet before we were maybe divinely orchestrated to have become sentient beings or before we became who we are now, right? So it seems like there was some sort of species on the planet and then there was the intervention. And it could be that there was multiple different, multiple interventions from different races for different beings on the planet, and that there were hubs and central areas that different races had control over on the planet. And that's why we have the variations from, for example, people from Asia, from people from Europe, you know, from the indigenous people in the north america there's such huge variations that isn't just based on climate and you know the elements but it's based on an actual genetic difference that was based on a specific et and um so that is something i believe but when it comes to the Pleiades, it seems like there's a g- general connection of the Pleiades to all civilizations across the planet that yeah. even barbara messiniak in bringers of the dawn she says the, she calls the Pleiades the original earthlings right, right. so just, Think about what that means. Well, the thing is that they were here before humans even started coming onto Earth. They left, and they left Earth to avoid when the Syrians and the um, Lyrans came to Earth, the Pleiadians left because they didn't want to interact with them. That was the yeah. beginning of it all. Ultimately, they ended up working together, but they were here. The Pleiadians, we know as the Pleiadians, were supposedly here on Earth before they even moved to the Pleiades.
1: Yeah. yeah. New, new here. Nunu here on uh, YouTube says the Pleiades come from a place of light. Yes and no. I mean, I mean, the thing about, you know, the thing about a cosmos or a constellation that's that huge, there's all sorts of different levels of consciousness and dimensions and some is light and some are physical and some are denser than others and, you know, it's just so vast, so vast. We can't pigeonhole one race of galactic race into an idea we just can't like with the arcturians or the greys or whatever we can't pigeon like we can't pigeonhole humans into one idea of what a human is it's so there's so much variety what's my take on it well here's the thing i had this guy on the show a few times uh, samuel chong have you met samuel so he is um He's moving forward in the world, promoting the book called The Thyber Prophecy, which was a book originally called Abduction to the Ninth Planet, which was a French-Australian guy in the 80s, was taken by these nine hermaphroditic ETs to their home planet, and they gave him all this information, and they also showed him how their civilization worked. They said that they were a ninth-category planet, not dimension, ninth-category But they gave him so much information. He put it in a book. His mission was to put it in a book. He put it in a book. And in the 90s, he tried to get the book out and he got a lot of flack. (laughs) He got a lot of ridicule. You know, he got a lot of of people that were interested, but a lot of ridicule. And then he retired to Vietnam, became reclusive and said, leave me alone. And then he died in 2018. But the information in that book is extraordinary. Have you read it? It actually goes into exactly where we all come from. And they've given the name of the planets, names that w- I've never heard before, like Eribo X and sort of names that are kind of like, you know, numbers in, in a way. And so in the book, it talks about the yellow and the black people were the first humans on Earth. And they came from erebo X. They came from these different planets. So there was a civilization, a race overseeing this because that planet was crowded or whatever, whatever. And Earth was that it was okay to put life on earth at that time, but there were these galactic people overseeing the sort of migration from one planet to another. And, um, and this was back in the time where Gondwana land was like this massive continent where Australia didn't exist. It was just this massive continent. So it was way before the earth changes and we see what we see on planet earth now. And then I asked, uh, well, Samuel, I mean, he's the expert on the, he's not the person that wrote the book because Michel de Marquet, the French guy, he's now deceased, but um, uh, you know, like all the black races on earth, there's so many, and they're so diverse. Do they come from one race? And he said, yeah, like over time, over billions of time with intermixing and, um, you know, DNA, we've created all these black races, but the indigenous Australians, say that they're like the first humans right and and it sort of lines up with the information that came from the book because the black people that they were called back then came they were seated on the land that was called gondwana land which then then went on to become australia but they migrated across the planet obviously and the yellow people and there were wars and anyway it's fascinating information i will have to read the book, Neil.
0: It's yeah, and someone's asking what the name of the book is again. It's the whatever.
1: Thayuba or like Thai food, T-H, Uber. Some people say Thayuba Prophecy. And Thayuba. Uh, it's a free download because Michelle's, you know, dead, you can find a free download, the PDF online, or you can buy it. I think you can still buy it on Amazon. Um, yeah. yeah, it's absolutely a fascinating read. But
0: um, Very interesting.
1: I, so I've read it several times. And I was talking to my guides and I said, who are these diubans, these nine-foot hermaphroditics? So they're hermaphrodites. When Michelle was taken on the ship, um, he thought he was just amongst women because they had breasts and they had long hair. And uh, then, then he said to T- Tao, who was his guide, um, where are the men on your planet? And Tao laughed and he said, oh, well, we're all hermaphrodites, so we're both male and female. And he goes, oh, you, you kind of all look female, because you've got mammary glands. And, um, yeah, so it was really interesting. They had evolved into unity where the sex was no longer, you know, separation because it's a physical race. It's not like our friend on YouTube said it's a light. They're not light beings. They're still in physical structure, but they're in this ninth category planet. So they're masters of manifestation in that they have the mental agility to levitate and, um, you know, to create at will and they do have technology on this planet. like I think it was called a lacheliac, which is like an anti-gravitic um, force field that goes around them so they can yeah. fly across the planet. Uh, so no cars, no spaceships, just, just uh, energy technology. And even their houses are energy technology. So they're called dokos and they look like an egg. And there's massive ones and smaller ones. And it looks like it's solid from the outside. It's solid enough that a bird can sit on it, but it's actually a force field and you move through it. Mm-hmm. And when you move through it, it's like from the outside, it's, you can't see in, but from the inside, you can, you can see out. Mm-hmm. Tell you what else is interesting about this race, Neil.
0: Yeah. Is that
1: when, they, when, they, uh, when night came, they said to Michelle, you probably want to f- go to sleep when night comes because on our planet, we don't have any lights. Because our eyes, a bit like animals' eyes, see perfectly in the dark. So we see as clearly in the dark as we do in the day. So we have no need for for lighting. And I just thought, whoa, you know, imagine flying over their planet. It's a completely dark planet. You know, you fly over Earth at night and you see all these lights everywhere.
0: So it's (laughs) a completely dark planet. So they don't have a sun or how does that work?
1: Oh, no, they have a sun. They have a sun. You know, it does say in the book where it's from, and it doesn't say it's the might... Palladians. But when I was talking to my guides, I'm like, who are these people? Who are these people? Yeah. And my guide said this to me. They said, well, in the past you have called them the Palladians. And I said, mm. okay. And he said, they're not exactly but the Palladians. Your, you said
0: your guide said that to you? you my guide that said with? that. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. 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 So that's the thing. Like, And, you know, when I first got into this information awareness, 2001, 2002, you know, and then for years after that, I was listening to channeling and I was calling myself an Arturian and going really hardcore with like that identification with that, right? Right. And you know, And to be honest, like I feel there is ego involved in identifying with specific races because right. of the themes that you identify with. It's like, oh yeah, I'm so great with this. And um, the reason why I identified it with Arturians is because they really have advanced technology. And I knew it was my, like I was technologically minded. I was raised as an Indian kid with a conservative Indian family. Uh-huh. Technology is the way it goes. And when I started creating webinars for people and events and um, conferences and everything, I was realizing it's technological. And so I started saying, oh, I'm Arcturian because of that. And now fast right. forward to now, I really do feel a huge connection to it. And then my awareness started shifting to realizing, well, Earth is a gift to very advanced souls. You might think that yeah. we are, you know, you might think that um, this is a punishment on some level, right? Yeah. But it's almost like, like we're kind of masochist, I guess. <laughs> we we like, have, we've been done so much. And it's it's not about like the suffering, it's about wow, you've done so much, you've created so many experiences. Well, how can we create new experiences for someone who's experienced so much? Well, hey, wait a second, why don't we make them forget that they had all those experiences, wipe their brains, send them to a, a planet of complete physicality and see if they can remember. That's pretty much the, the oversimplification of the game, you know? So, so I feel a lot of us have incarnated hundreds of thousands, millions of times, and we have been all types of beings, all types of races. Absolutely. So my awareness, my awareness shifted from like, hey, I'm Arcturian, to, well, I've been everything. And then I heard Dolores Cannon, say, um, she says something that resonated, which was that the theme of specific incarnations are relevant to our journey now on Earth. So you might say, hey, I'm Arcturian but you might have lived three times as many lives in the Pleiades, but because of what you did in Arcturus, maybe even the trauma of what happened there that you're working through now, right? Right. And whatever you did there is so relevant. We identify with those specific areas and that's the human condition is to label things. We identify with it. We label it. And ultimately do these beings even call themselves Pleiadians because who? Who came up with the word Pleiades? Well, that's
1: exactly right. That's exactly right. And that's the discussion I had with my mob because I chat to them (laughs) all the time. It's like having this group of teachers that I talk to all the time. And um, they said, think about when you went to Europe, Karen, when I was like 18, the first time I went to Europe and and my auntie had said to me, how do you know when you get on the train? How do you know that you're going to be at the station? And I said, I'm I'm going to Florence in Italy. And I said, well, it'll it'll have a sign saying Florence. And it said, well, the, the Italians don't call Florence Florence. They call it Firenze. And that's what they said. It's like, you call us the Palladians, but what do we yeah. call us? You know, like we have a different language, so we have a different label, and they use that memory for me, and I'm like, oh, okay. So we're saying that the Palladians and the Arcturians and the this, the, the Syrians and the Orions, like we've given these people labels, but they don't call themselves that. So yeah. this book, like the that when I asked them, are you the Palladians? And they said to me, well, You have called us Palladians, but we don't call ourselves Palladians. And I don't even think they're in the Palladian constellation. I'm not sure about that. But, uh, yeah, so, so right, you're right. I've also said to the mob, you know, where have I been in the cosmos? You know, what's my galactic heritage? (laughs) You know, they said to me, Neil, they said, oh, Karen, they said, do you think you're any less curious outside this human body than you are inside this human body? You've been everywhere, man. And I'm like, yeah, That's I can so imagine. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. So All funny. right. Yeah, yeah, I've been everywhere. But
0: yeah, the Arcturians. If there's, if there's multiple beings like in the Pleiades. Okay, so we got Pleiadians connecting with us. Hundreds of stars there. Um, probably thousands of beings in different dimensional experiences. Multiple of those beings probably have agendas and connections to Earth right? And they're probably different civilizations. So it's almost like saying Palladian might actually be a group of 10, 20, 100, 1,000 different races from that area that all have different intentions for us, right? So it's like, what are they? Who are these individual beings? And to me, I feel part of, you know, this year and moving forward is to us to get out of these blanket statements of these beings and start actually getting into the specific intentions and connections and i feel that's going to happen soon because we're going to have open contact we're going to start interacting with these beings and we'll be calling them by their maybe the frequency names you know a good example is there's a group of beings in um orion and they have a huge connection to the history of orion i think they're on the second star and the three stars in the belt and they're called the netiru right? right and they have a huge connection to egypt so it's like instead of calling them this one thing let's start dialing into the specific frequencies that's something my curious mind is interested in seeing coming out of channel there's to start really saying like who are you instead of saying Pleiadian like what is this specific intention what is the agenda what do you want to be called
1: exactly because we're so rooted in identity here on earth and labeling and, and putting names on things and many and many star nation races don't use identity and uh, labeling they use energy signatures what is called an energy signature a bit like how you identify a soul when you're outside of a body so you're not you're not identifying them by what you're looking at, at their face you know like and what they're wearing you're identifying it's them frequency. by yeah. frequency yeah exactly and, then and a lot
0: of them don't speak words right I, yeah we do the best we can with the um the tools that we have
1: yeah exactly i yeah. know we've got oh god we've got a lot to learn we've got a lot to learn but we've also got a lot of galactic ambassadors ambassadors on the planet that can teach us that have memory like you like me like many many that have memory of lives on other planets so that when we do interact with our star nation brothers and sisters, it's it's going to be a totally different game on earth when that happens. It's very exciting. I just hope it happens before, I, you know, I leave the planet. No, no, <laughs> I've been talking, like I've been talking about age and, and aging a lot lately on the show and manifestation. I, th- I thought I would uh, focus the show this year, which is why I started the show like 15 years ago on radio. I wanted to talk about, law of attraction and how we are the creators of our reality because i tell you what the arcturians are the ones that have spoken to me about it they said you know your agility the way that you focus as humans the way that you understand yourself as creators is just so preschool you really need to Mm. understand this technology of how you create your reality including your physical body and the health in your body and including um you know the way that your body ages or doesn't and uh, so this is a conversation I've had a lot lately. Have you got any words to say about that?
0: Yeah. Well, I'd love to hear more on that because, like, you know, I'm just really open to receive more archery information. So I'd love for you to go deeper if you want to in a minute. But I would say that um, we are kind of basically when we exist within a specific dimension, we have control of the dimensions below us, right? So we're in the, in my opinion, the fourth dimension, which is is time well it's not really time it's actually a position within the three dimensions so you have the three dimensions length width and height right length width height and then the fourth dimension only exists when something is lodged within those three dimensions now you have an actual object existing within those three so we're within that fourth dimensional reality and we have control over third second and first dimension including beings and that are of those realities and in this dimension We're still we're kind of a victim to time because we're lodged within it, we're not transcending it. So the whole fifth-dimensional reality is us shifting into the higher reality beyond the fourth being the time of the astral realm. And when we're in the fifth reality, we're able to have control and manipulate in a conscious way the ones below that, right? And so that includes aging and the whole process. So what you shared about what the Arcturians shared resonates with me because it it kind of implies that we are right now something i love to say a lot is we are actors on a stage that forgot we're acting so like you know we are walking down the street someone punches us in the face and we're we start freaking out not realizing that that was a part of the script <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it's, it's in the and, script you're like right did that happen read read the script this is a like, silly, oh, it's a silly in the script.
0: example <laughs> but so what was happening now is us realizing that we're the actors, but also realizing we're the directors and the writers of the script. And the creators, and, yeah. And definitely. the creators of it. So uh, that's what the process of awakening is, is realizing um, hey guys, you forgot that you wrote this whole thing. You wrote it, you forgot you wrote it, and then you stumbled into your own act. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's yes, like I do know so it's like, right now it's time for us to realize that we're the directors. And what happens when you become the director? You rewrite the code including yeah. the way you age so re- that's why they say fifth dimension and above you no longer uh, mourn death you choose when you die yes and you celebrate it because yes. you're always connected. you know so yes
1: yes yeah, yeah my dad my father died about 18 20 years ago and for me it was a, c- a celebration uh it was it was the first time that i experienced someone close to me die where i saw it as this transitioning you know exiting the matrix i call it and and uh, and yeah I, i kind of put on the persona of that sad because we're still entrenched in the tragedy of death i have a girlfriend whose brother just died yesterday a couple of days ago saturday and um and she's in the tragedy of the death thing but when you speak to spirits from the other side there's no tragedy like esther hicks said it so beautifully at some stage when you're in the cinema watching the movie, you'll get up and you'll leave the cinema. You'll leave the movie. Like it's that simple to the ones that have transitioned. It's like I exited that movie. I was done with that movie. I finished, I watched it for long enough. We're out of here. But yeah, exactly. Oh, there's so much to say. There's a great conversation with Nassim Harriman and the Mind Gap Valley guy, his name Vision. Vishan? Yeah and he he was asked he cuz much of what Nassim says goes over my head but he's told a story and I'm like right I can understand this he was asked about um going back in time and changing the dna and he said he did it with his nose he said he had a big lump on his nose and he lived with a woman that had these two little kids that used to knock you know like knock him as an australian to they used to um laugh at his big nose And so one night in a meditation, he went on an energetic spiral back in time, found himself in the womb of his mother, um, maybe even when the egg and the ovum were meeting, the the sperm and the ovum were meeting, and he changed the gene for the bump on his nose. And And then he spiraled back to this time. And then when he woke up in the morning, the kids, he walked into the kitchen and he had a different nose. Like not dramatically different. He still has a big nose, but different to the nose he had the night before. And the wow. kids freaked out. Like they freaked out. So the what the Arcturians say to me. I had this fabulous conversation with a girl called um, Jules Anes. You have got to get her on the show. I don't know if you've had her on the show about manifest. No, no. We she calls herself Bioquantum. Becoming okay. Bioquantum. She's great. She's beautiful. She's wonderful. Love her. I'll introduce you. Anyway. So we had this great conversation, but she's talking about the intelligence of the body. Like we always say consciousness informs matter, and she's actually saying matter informs consciousness. Uh, so the consciousness of the body, the body intelligence, when you tune into that, that will inform your consciousness. It's it's an interesting conversation. But what, um, what the Arcturians have shown me about, about this is that we, when you see everything as energy, then you know how to mold energy. You don't see things as solid or concrete or real. Like we create cemented reality, reality that's true, that's happening, that's real because of what we believe about it. We see it as it just is. This is real. So our beliefs create this I, a friend said to me years ago, thoughts can be as real as concrete, as solid. Thoughts can be as solid as concrete. I loved the way she explained it. Yeah, and our thoughts. But when you when you understand that everything is is energy, this body that you're wearing is an organization of energy. Well, once you understand how to reorganize the energy, you can change your body structure. You can change your DNA. You can change the way your body ages. You can change anything. Now, Neil, I have not mastered this. I'm playing with it. I am playing with it because I'm a human and I'm still entrenched in this is real and this is how it is. And But I have had, uh, you know, years ago I had a friend who was making vibrational essences and she, she was working with the vibrations and she said that her body structure completely changed. Like she had, you know, big hips and then she had small hips. Like she had a completely different body structure as she was working with the vibrational essences that she was making. I also met a man years ago who went to see John of God and he sat in meditation and he had, had always had sinus problems and problems, eye problems and he said his face swelled up like he was punched in the face and then when the swelling went down and he put his glasses back on, his whole bone structure had completely rearranged itself. His glasses didn't fit anymore and all the sinus problems and the sight problems he'd had before had gone. So he'd had hmm. this operation in, in a meditation yeah so anything's possible when we see the world as energy as an organization of energy rather than solid and real right Um, right that's the trick
0: is shifting your belief system to get to that point right as you're speaking and realizing that you know we have not only the belief systems of you just being in this world and what we're fed through media and upbringing but we have ancestral lineages and genetic beliefs in ourselves as well you know that are a part of you know, our, our ancestors believe that they were limited right. within these frequencies. Exactly. They did things specific ways. So those are all things that we have to transcend. And something else that I'm like, I guess playing with this theory, but I guess it's really for me, It's a, a, I feel like it's a knowing in me, is that there's specific belief systems Um, that go into different cycles right there's individual belief systems right and those individual ones can be like you can actually shift your consciousness your food and the things around you and take certain tools to heal from sicknesses that they say they're no um, cure for like a cancer for example right and then there's collective belief systems right Right. And, uh, and to give another silly example In this world, um, anybody could probably travel all around the world to specific areas and where it's very high amount of people and experience traffic, you know, car traffic. And it's almost like that's a collective belief system of the reality we all chose to subscribe to that that is always going to be there. And the only way, right, that's one out of millions of belief systems that are collective, Earth belief systems. The only way that belief system will be changed and disappear overnight is if there's a majority of the people on the planet that all shift their belief around that even having to be real, right? Critical so mass. Like, exactly. Critical so mass. you have mm-hmm. your individual ones that you can do yourself. Then, then there's the collective ones. Now, which ones are collective? Is age a collective belief system that yes. also partially, yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. And is the bandwidth of frequency of the third and fourth dimension a collective belief system? Probably. Yes. And Mm -hmm. age is a part of that. And then we go into a solar systematic belief system. Now, all the beings that live or have lived within our solar system all have to subscribe to another set of rules, right? Mm -hmm. And so they have their own um, planetary belief systems and everything, but they have a a, a universal one. Then I think it goes even further. There's a galactic galactic belief system. There's a universal one. There's a multiverse. I don't know how far it goes, right? But all of these are things that we need to transcend. So it, that's why like, we could literally shift overnight if we hit critical mass on certain things. This world is illusionary. Um, this world is a simulation. This world is magic manifest, right? Subatomic reality manifests in the physicality. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, if this is a very advanced code, why can't we just change the code? Yeah. Well, it's because the majority of us don't realize that we can do that.
1: Yep. So Majority that's of us why don't... it's
0: important. Like, if you, So you whole thing about age and everything, if we inform more people about this truth and if we're taught about this reality from day one as we were, as we we're born, right, mm-hmm. then we could all change that reality just like that. So the solutions are very simple. Teach us the truth from the beginning, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but getting the, the dumb to do it is like the hard part.
1: The solutions are simple, but simple solutions yeah. are not always practiced. There's so many simple solutions to the problems on our planet. Are they happening? No. Greed, power—you know, like the yeah, the simple solutions. But yeah, getting back to your collective, um, you know, collective consciousness and collective thought forms. Yeah, the age thing. I, I was, you know, talking to the mob about. And I call my guides the mob very reverently about <laughs> age. And uh, and uh, funnily enough, I was sitting on the toilet and they gave they said this to me, as I said, they talk to me all the time anywhere. They said, look, Karen, age is more about your collective understanding than anything else. Like you count the years and you say that at this age, this happens. And at this age, this is how you look. And, yeah, there's this massive collective consciousness around what you're supposed to look like at a certain age. And in order, and most people like dip their toe into that fast flowing stream of collective thought and this ride that, you know, ride that energy and to sort of take yourself out of that matrix, if you like, or out of that fast flowing stream of uh, belief, it's, it's a challenge because you're sort of, you're not moving with the flow of the collective. You're stepping yeah. outside, which is kind of what we've all been doing. Like the, everyone on Portal to Ascension, everyone on my show. But yeah, sometimes you you put you dip your toe back in, and you get swept up in it all. You know what I mean? You go exactly down well, the river. You
0: know, there's um um like almost ten years ago now, the a group of Russian scientists they were looking for the gen, the um the genome within our DNA to say that we should die. Right, right. The genome that causes telomere destruction and yep. whatever yep. because. Now they've got to a place where they know what specific um, genes do what in our DNA and they couldn't find it, right? And their solution to this whole thing was that there is no actual code in our body for us to decay and die. Yeah. So for me, what I took from that esoterically is that we have agreed upon this. We have been told that this is how it should be. So we have now subscribed to it. You know, if we didn't have um, all the pollution and the, um, and the pharmaceuticals and, you know, the food in the way that it is right now on this planet, we would live longer anyway, right? So if we shifted two things, the external reality that creates decay, right? A lot of people, for example, they die at age 80, 90. And a lot of the things that we eat and a lot of pharmaceuticals we take decay your organs at an earlier rate. Yeah. So you don't know that that's why you died you might have been eating like you know specific diet your whole life and at 80 years old, you died, right? And it's actually because the food decays your organs at an early rate. It doesn't kill you. It just makes everything age quicker, right? So it's like that. And so with that coupled with our belief systems, we can change that reality. And what's happening now, as you know, is like people are realizing that we're quantum beings. Mm-hmm. So an understanding of the way reality works is shifting. And when I think more people realize, hey, well, actually what this study should be worldwide everybody should know that there is nothing in our genes to say we're dying and if we spend some more te- information spend more time studying it putting research into well why is it that there is nothing saying that we're dying or we're still dying if that was something that we looked into rather than funding endless wars right and imagine what could happen so re- rerouting the fi- finances to actually exploring things and it's interesting because it's not even far-fetched. All that is out there right now. All it needs is us to delve into these concepts deeper.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry, I was just looking at people listening to us on. Uh, mm-hmm. Put me back on. We have a question on... here, though.
0: I want to ask you this question, Karen. We have a question. Oh, okay. okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um, I think maybe you might have something to say about this. Um, Julian Grace is saying, "How do our pets evolve with us?"
1: Ah, oh, interesting. How do our pets evolve with us? Well, what happens
0: to pets and animals? Do you ever thought of that?
1: Yeah, I have. I've had a lot of thoughts about that, and um, you know, there are there are different intentions when coming into an animal form. Like that, I think that the, um, the the Vedas and that sort of religious says say that we evolve out of animal form into more sophisticated forms, and we don't go backwards. But there are, there are beings that dip their toe into the third dimension, and it's easier to live an animal life than it is a human life. They're not battering the, the human ego and you know depression and all that sort of thing. So it's easy to sort of see what density is like, what this organization of energy is like on Earth when you're in an animal form. And then um, so they're sort of less advanced in that they're not less advanced souls, so to speak. They're just less advanced at the human experience or the Earth experience and then there are advanced souls that come into animal form to be guides and partners and um and uh you know like to be here on earth in an easy life so they've lived out all their like they've done the earth school they've graduated they've they know what it's like to live inside density but they come as um part of their soul family into animal forms and they're like highly evolved beings that are in animal form so um like, the again, with the aging thing, like I had a cat before the cat I had now that lived to 20 and cats aren't supposed to live to 20. He wasn't sick. She wasn't sick. I just said to her, look, I'm not going to do the whole putting down thing. When you're finished your life, just leave and that'll be cool. And that's exactly what she did. Actually, Amma came to town. Do you know Amma, the hugging mother from India? Yeah. So I went with a few friends to see Amma who was up the road and uh she took her transition that night. She, I fed her. That night and she ate and walked straight outside and I said oh good I didn't have to put you outside because I was going out and then when I came home the next morning she just sat under a tree and left her body and so you know she did that like that's an advanced soul that knows how to transition without drama without sickness because a lot of cats or dogs or pets get um, cancers and and then we try and prolong their lives and then we have to you know like it's a whole drama so but Yeah. uh, yeah so animals And also the animal form itself is evolving along with the human body, which is evolving. And, uh, yeah, there's so many cats on Instagram that speak, haven't you seen them? They say, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, But uh, there was something else I was going to talk about before you asked me that animal question, but it's a great great question.
0: Well, so from what you're saying, it's like what how what do we consider evolution, right? Because are we asking, oh, are they gonna evolve? Meaning are they gonna basically um, not poop everywhere anymore or something, <laughs> like <laughs> start being more civilized <laughs> or What's, communicating with us, right? have
1: you seen pets that go to the saying, toilet? <laughs> I
0: know from what you're saying is, um, from what you're saying is that they are already advanced and evolved, and some of them have just taken on the roles to bring in the frequency of that animal, right? And so maybe the ones that are our pets that really connect with us on that level are bringing the frequencies for humanity to help process things, including dolphins. And then there are other ones that are part of the ecosystem of balance, right? Because for example, if we if there weren't spiders in the world, the world would go to crap, you know? Like all these different things need to happen for the ecosystem to be balanced. Do you feel that, I feel maybe when we evolve into this higher dimensional awareness, uh, experience that some of them will be able to consciously communicate with them too, through telepathy to some of these animals. Will we get to a point where we don't even need to eat them? Now I'm not saying anything against um, people eat meat or people who are vegan. Disclaimer. <laughs> but Will we ever get to a point where we are so consciously connected to them that we don't even need to eat them anymore? And maybe that's I think I think we we're at that diet. point I, yeah. I think
1: we're at that point and we've been at that point for a long time and again you know the collective consciousness of just doing it you know I had an Italian uh neighbor who, who moved last year but she would say things like but this is the way we do it this is the way it's always been done this is the way we do it and so I'm vegan and I don't do the dairy thing and in Italy you know everything you know like and she's like but what are you crazy are you crazy you know but this is the way it's always been done and it's that it's that thought form. It's that collective idea, that tradition. I had this woman on the show. We were laughing one day. She came from an Indian background and she was um, had an arranged marriage and then she was a gay woman. And anyway, we, it was an interesting conversation, fabulous woman. But we talk, We laughed about tradition is peer pressure from dead people. <laughs> yeah. So this peer pressure from dead people. We, yeah. we just have to change this what we call tradition tradition i can't remember i've lost my train of thought now what what did? what what did you ask me what was the question We're,
0: i was talking about food evolving from animals not eating oh yeah telepathically
1: like we we evolved way out of the need to eat out of the yeah. need to eat meat years ago years and years ago probably hundreds of years ago it's just tradition that we exactly. do it yeah hmm. absolutely it's tradition that we do it and but you've got to understand too that the souls that that elect to have a cow's life or a pig's life that gets slaughtered, that's in a cage, it's a whole life, or a chicken, you know, they're, they're choosing that because as much that. as yeah, anyone yeah. else is choosing that. And they're choosing that experience. They're yeah. dipping their toe in the density of what it is like to experience a, experience a life that. on planet Earth, and and they're understanding suffering from that perspective. So we're yeah. giving them that opportunity to have that that very short life I don't know, weeks, months, how you know, think about veal um yeah. in a cage, like and and they're having that opportunity. But I think that Earth is evolving out of that game. There will be yeah. other planets where if you want to experience being a chicken that's trampled and you only live for a few weeks and then you're you're in somebody's chicken burger or a veal like yeah. a cow that's that's oh, that sounds so fun. It's ripped from his <laughs> mother and then put in a cage and never. Oh, sit stop it. <laughs> I mean, if you want to experience that, no, you're going you can, to experience yeah. that on another planet, but we're yeah. moving out of that sort of experience on planet right, Earth so- with Brown Hot Day, with that sort of suffering cycle, into a new cycle of evolution where once we're more conscious of who we are and how we're all connected, then what else can we create? Like, what yeah. else? We can create telepathic communication and um, beam me up, Scotty. We can fly around the planet through teleportation and you right. know, cities in the sky, I mean, the sky's the limit, what we can create when we move out of these traditional ways of thinking.
0: Right. I mean, I say this reluctantly, because I'm a foodie, you know, what I'm saying so. <laughs> um, but ultimately, like, we need to eat so we can survive. We're in a dimensional reality. So we I know that's, we can't we're shifting out of that but we have had to eat to survive and that's the belief system we all adopted
1: yeah and Mm
0: -hmm. and because we're a victim to the elements because we're in a reality where for example we need to be a certain distance from the sun so that we don't burn or a planet doesn't get all iced over and that we could live we need a certain amount of pressure on our um, skin when we go into a higher dimension, we can the planet can actually shift into a different position, and we have control over the elements. We have control of the sun. We don't need the specific pressure on our skin. We can now live outside those boundaries, and part of that is also eating. That we don't we won't need to eat anymore. So maybe there'll be a, a transitionary phase where we choose it for the excitement of it all. But see, as a foodie, it's hard for me to say this because people love food. I love food, and. But maybe we're going to get to a point in the future, 100 years, 1,000 years, who knows, where we just don't need to eat anymore, right? And because we don't need to eat anymore, there's no reason to kill, right? And that will also probably go hand in hand with us telepathically communicating with other animals. Because one of my beliefs is that Earth is a test of speciesism, galactic racism, that all these beings in the galaxy have donated DNA to all the animals that we see on our planet. And it's almost like, it's almost like the last battlefield of the galaxy, that there's been all this disharmony and chaos and wars and uh, inconsistencies. And all these beings donated DNA to earth to see if there's an ability for them to eventually all live in harmony by battling it out. Yeah, exactly. You know? And I feel yeah. that's what we're going to, that's the eventual goal.
1: Yeah. I think yeah. about that with the animal kingdom because um, the meat eaters say, you know, it's natural to eat meat. Look at the animal kingdom. They eat meat and there's there, there's no moral dilemma about a, a lion killing an elk and ripping into it and splashing its guts all over the place, right? And so I've thought about that as 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 we evolve. Um, physically and animals evolve physically are there other planets where there are animals where that sort of violence doesn't happen like uh, animals don't eat other animals i mean there once was this indian guru that had a tiger and he was a vegetarian tiger so it was possible to create a you know a tiger's body that runs on just meat like they're not eating apples off trees and stuff tigers and yep. this and this guru shifted the consciousness of that tiger's body and fed it fed it vegetables and it survived and was healthy. Very so interesting. interesting, isn't it? It's kind yeah. of interesting, but I think there are plenty more battlefields. What's happening on the um, much better experience than physical, but we volunteer for physical existence. Yeah, there's lots right. of great. Great question. Yeah, we've
0: got a lot, a lot of people are oh, trying, you know this conversation. I want
1: to I say a few things. that I've got so many yeah. things going through. So Jules, the last conversation I had on the show, was saying that um, a friend of hers died. He was 22 and she was talking to him on the other side and he was giving her, uh, he had said to her, something that you said just picking up on that thread, he had said, you know, Jules, uh, the human body was created to never die. I mean, the reason that the human body dies, as you say, were are in. He said the human body. And then he gave her the download of how that happens. And she said that she's still getting through it and she's going to you know, release it probably, I think, April. I think she might have said she's going to release it. But he, he was talking about the mitochondria in the cells. So he was also talking about the telomeres. I think that the poisons that we get not only um, decay our uh, pineal gland, but also decay the telomeres on the end of the DNA, which yeah. scientists have said is the reason for aging. But there's a bit more involved. Um, I'm not a scientist, so when I speak to my guides about it, they try and tell me and I try and wrap my head around what they're talking about. And I say, human mind here, simplify it, simplify it. But yeah, there, the human body was designed never to die and it is possible for it to live as long as you need it to live when you're finished in this dimension but the reason you know so many galactic beings star nation people have lives like the thiobans live for thousands of years many other species live for hundreds of years thousands of years but we have these short little lives like 70 80 years because the experience here is so intense you know and like how much can you put up with it's like okay i'm done i'm out of here (laughs) so but as that shifts we won't need to Leave the planet at 80 or 100 we could stay exactly. for a couple of hundred years or and three. that's or four. the
0: thing with the yuga cycles in india so that's one thing extra that the indians um speak about for the ages is that every age first of all kali yuga Dwarpa Yuga, um, treta yuga satya yuga right the for everybody out there dark ages to the bronze age the silver age the gold age satya yuga satya means truth every age upper is twice as long as the other age the so kali yuga is this long the the bronze age is twice as long the silver age is twice as long the golden age is twice as long right that's thirteen thousand years but then it reflects on the other side so even though the the satya yuga the golden age is twice as long it's actually four times as long because it's doubled up at the top right and within the indian text it says at every age the age of humanity how long we live doubles as well so not only is the Kali Yuga is double, 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 doubled, but your age also doubles. So Kali Yuga, the age limit based on the Indian text is one hundred and twenty years. So if it wasn't for pollution, chemicals, belief systems, and all this stuff right now, we would live to one hundred and twenty, right? And um, so yeah. now we're going in. We're in the next age. Okay, we're officially in it. And the so the age limit now is two hundred and forty years.
1: Okay, there you go.
0: We're ready there. So we just
1: shifted yugas like recently, didn't we? And and there was a big planetary. There's two calendars. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So So one of them says we shifted like in the 1990s-ish. Right. Okay. And and the one that I go by says we shifted in the 1700s because I uh, because basically there's a 200-year transitionary phase between cycles. So 1770, Mm -hmm. 1770, right around the Declaration of Independence, the formation of the U.S right around then um okay. there was a shift but there's a 200 year transitionary phase 100 years at the end of the other cycle 100 years at the next cycle so technically around um, the beginning of the 19th century we were fully immersed in to the next age and the reason why that goes hand in hand with the themes of the ages is because the theme of the Kali Yuga authority hierarchy delusion right yeah and yes we still had delusion for 200 years after that we still live now Uh, but the theme of the Dwarpa Yuga is sovereignty and electric and energy okay Mm -hmm. sovereignty what happened with the foundation of the U.S. putting aside all of the conspiracy theories that are real right Mm -hmm. and um, was uh, a a structure moving away from the sovereign Mm -hmm. to we are sovereign right? Mm -hmm, To mm -hmm. from collective mindsets to individuality, right? And so that that was the beginning of it all. And then when we fully immersed out of that into the Dwarpa Yuga in the early 1900s, um, we were going into the energy age. So what happened around 1700s into 1800s? Literally energy, electricity, light bulbs, right? yeah, Yeah. What happened when we fully went into the Dwarpa Yuga? Quantum physics, Max Planck, Einstein, Tesla, Right. Within five years of the full immersion into the age, right? right. What happened during those two hundred years, seventeen hundred to nineteen hundred? We had Newton. Uh, got a, uh, we had Newton and other uh, uh, physicists that were atheists. Okay, they were like, mm-hmm. the church, freaking religion, has messed with us. This is all BS. Science, electricity, physics. Um, you know, equal and opposite reaction. And then when we get went out of it and we went deeper, oh, electricity, what's deeper than that? Oh, subatomic energy. We have Nikola Tesla, Max Planck, and Einstein, very spiritual people, completely making um, the next level of energy awareness a spiritual understanding. And what is supposed to happen at the end of the Dwarpa Yuga, right, which is going to last for hundreds of years, is we master sovereignty, And we master energy. What's going on now, part of why we see so much chaos, division, and war in the world is that the extreme aspect of not being sovereign, us trying to solve it by being on the opposite side of what it means to be sovereign. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times when something's happened to us, in order to heal from it, we do the complete opposite. You know, our parents treated us like this. So I'm going to treat my kid like the complete opposite and smother them, not give them you know and so with sovereignty in the beginning of the Dwarpa Yuga sovereignty backfires because we become so independent that we forget about the collective good so what e- ends up happening at the end of this age is we balance out what it means to be sovereign and also part of the collective and we end up not realizing electricity not realizing subatomic energy but realizing that we're made of subatomic energy and yeah. then we become the masters of an energetic field so that's you know, what's going on right now.
1: Yeah. There's a lot going on right now. Mm -hmm. So um, joyful Jennifer said, wow, 240 years. Yeah, I know. Right. Uh, That's answered a question because I've been complaining to my mob about aging because like I'm in my 60s now and I'm like, I don't want to get old. I don't want to be an old person. And then I said, no, I think I'm out of here like around 75 i don't want to be an old person and they said to me "Mm -hmm." they said well we'll review that when you get there that's just what they say to me they're like like parents like "Mm -hmm. we'll review that when you get there and i'm like okay
0: but put a limit on it no i know like not even what we're talking about now you can go and like if we spend some time i can do research find new youtube videos and articles that will just show you that conventionally they're already found solutions that are are out there in the public you know yeah yeah. not to even mention all the black budget programs where they already have this information out there yeah yeah so and one of the reasons why they haven't disclosed the truth of ets is because you know there's actually like four or five main reasons but one of them is the cure and healing of all illnesses Mm -hmm. including death it's an illness yeah you know yeah well like
1: it can yeah. be an illness, or it can be, uh, you know, death can be an illness, or it can be a choice. The way that the way that yeah. we age,
0: I'm saying. Yeah, like, the way know. that we age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. absolutely.
1: I think that most people, as I said, my friend's brother just died, and he suffered so horrendously for like two years. Like he just, she said, he looked like death warmed up for the like the last six or eight months. So when you go through that amount of suffering, leaving that suffering is a really easy choice. It's like, oh, my God, I'm so done with this. I'm out of here. And I think that's a choice for many people. Like that illness thing is the way they make that transition because their soul is finished exploring what they wanted to explore here. And then we're so afraid of death. You know, death is like the scariest thing. We give it to our murderers, the death penalty. It's like we've made death so scary that in order to transition, you have to get so you have to go through so much suffering that well, it's just easier to die than it is to stay. Straight
0: up. Well, but, do you yeah. do, what's, what's the two biggest fears in the world? You know.
1: Well, death would be one of them, and yep. taxes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
0: Public public speaking.
1: Oh yeah, public speaking. Okay. Yeah, 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 and yeah.
0: Do you know which one's more people are fearful of more? Public speaking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the, so I've had a lot of time to think about this, you know, and um, and I feel the pub- the reason why we're not afraid of death all the time is because we're not always thinking about dying. Yeah. We're always thinking about publicly speaking, you know, and what? there's certain things because we got to talk all the time to people, interact and stuff. And, and <laughs> so what I think happened during the, the lockdown is that people's priorities shifted as well you know, to something be on the forefront because of the fear that was around there, death became a huge topic and people got confronted with it. And ultimately, I feel we need to have a relationship with death and understand it and not just know that it's a part of life because I can even say that. But honestly, I'm still, I have fear around it. You know, I have fear around it. So it's like part of this evolution is us rewriting our relationship with what it means to die.
1: You, you have fear around death or you have fear around public speaking, which is, where is your fear death, like? Death, you death. have fear around death. Why do you yeah. have fear around death? What's the well, fear? It, you
0: know, it's transcended a lot. You know, I did some plant medicine ceremonies. I did uh-huh. um, Vipassana, 10-day sound meditation. Mm-hmm, I will mm-hmm. say Vipassana meditations helped me the most. And Vipassana meditation is where I found out I had that fear. You know, oh, and okay. was, it's interesting because after my first, like two weeks in the Amazon after plant medicine, um, when I was aware that I was had this fear of death on the day I was out of the last day I switched my phone on in the Amazon on top of a hill the only place that there was service when I wasn't supposed to switch it on yet and I have all these missed calls from my parents and my biggest fear because I'm always off the grid away from my family and everything is that something's going to happen to someone I care about when I'm off the grid right and I call my dad and my mom and my grandmother had just died uh-huh. And like two days before, while I was in ceremony, mm-hmm. and I literally couldn't fly home to the US. I had to fly straight to Spain to do her eulogy and go to my first ever funeral and see her cremated. That was like two days after my ayahuasca for two weeks in the Amazon. So it was like it was very interesting that the universe had presented me with that experience right afterwards. And that in those moments, I was like, "Whoa!" Like there is something within me. There's a huge fear of death. And I don't, I can't really tell you why it is. Like I feel that it's just innately inside of me. It's transcended on some level, but I have been in very dangerous situations over the last ten years. That are like life or death situations, and I'm gonna tell you, I freaked out. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I did not want to die. Right. So it's like I'm still working on it. You know, there's no, there's no rule.
1: Do you think it's you being swept up in the collective thought form because there's, you know, the 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 fear of death is such a huge river of consciousness on this planet it's massive
0: maybe oh was also I feel also maybe a, a fear of I put in so much energy in what I'm doing what I'm creating and portal to ascension the mission I also like have a fear that I'm going to leave before I get to actualize what I'm here to do
1: oh so it's like I haven't finished I haven't finished I think your soul's got that sorted I,
0: it's <laughs> like I don't want to waste my time but even though by just leaving but I'll, even though on some level I realize if I leave it's when I'm supposed to leave you know
1: yeah Absolutely. I mean, yeah. that, that's the thing. That's what the guides say to my guides and many other guides that every exit is a planned exit, whether you were hit by a bus, swept up in a tornado, died of cancer, you know, died, you know, during utero, every exit is a planned exit. It's yeah. um,
0: so and- Karen, we have a question here. I think that you maybe want to answer Maybe We both can. So Juliana's is saying, is asking about the fifth dimension. She wants to know, is it a physical place at all? And what does the fifth dimension look like? Yeah, that's
1: that's a good question. I do, but you go for it. What do you you say about that?
0: Well, I think it's physical and I I think it's quasi-physical. Basically, the more we go higher and higher in dimensional experiences, the more we embody more light, right? Because even right now, we are fractalized light. Our atoms are ninety nine percent space. It's just we are not as dense as we think we are. So maybe it's more we actualizing our actual light bodies and moving into that, becoming more vibrant and shiny because we're at different harmonic levels of frequencies. But I feel we're going to still have a human experience here. And the goal of humanity, I I, I believe is because we have you know as you know we have these seven chakras, but there's actually chakras that go beyond that. And yeah. I feel the human body has been created in a way that we have the ability to tap into different dimensional awarenesses, experiences, because every dimension to me is a data set of information, right? Yeah. From a computer-minded person, I'll put it in the logical standpoint. Um, fifth dimension, a bunch of data in the universe that we can't access because we're not in that hard drive, right? Yeah. Six, mm-hmm. seven, eight dimension, bigger mother, um, you know, motherboards and hard drives of data. We can tap into it. Galactic history, how the Akashic records work, simultaneous time, space travel, who these beings are, how the ancestry connected to us. So I feel that we're meant to be multidimensional beings tapping into, I don't know how many dimensions, maybe the 12 immediate ones of this 13th dimensional construct while we exist in a fifth dimensional form and possibly um, learning how to be in oneness while we still live in duality.
1: Yeah, well said, really well said. I think that the word dimension has been bandied around uh, on this planet and uh, throughout the conscious community. Where have you gone? We've got your beautiful signature. Yeah, there you go. Um, and, you know, if you you think about dimensions from a scientific perspective, I think you said it, that time is the fourth dimension, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and if you look at it from that sort of perspective way, the fifth dimension is like when you move out of the understanding of time, that there is no time, actually, when you move out of the fourth dimension into the fifth, you move into a more spacious understanding of reality, more awareness of who you are as a multidimensional being. And when you move into that understanding or that knowing that you are this multidimensional being, then you can play in... um, you can play in different densities. So you can play in physicality, you can play in spirit bodies and astral forms, you can play in all sorts of different densities. And that fifth dimension is that awareness of those multidimensional densities. But uh, So our awareness in the fourth dimension is time and then the third dimension, like what's the third dimension is space, isn't it? Time, space and the second dimension. So yeah, it's just... Have you seen that little thing of that person living in a, a in a flat zone, and he looks above, and someone's in the third dimension, which is in space, and and he yeah, yeah he doesn't understand yeah. it. So so that's what a lot of the conscious teachers are teaching on this planet. We're talking about fifth dimensional reality, which is our awareness that we exist simultaneously in, in all different simul, um, experiences all at once. We're when physical, we're a spirit guides, we're galactic beings, and But that doesn't actually, um, like it's interesting with the Taiba prophecy, they talk about the category of planets. So there are different, and it's not dimensional realities, it's category of planets. So it's category of evolution of consciousness on the planet. So Earth as it exists at the moment, this isn't one category planet. We're one, like we're number one. And the Taibans, who they said, you have called us Palladians, on the planet that Michelle was taken to was a ninth category planet and um, so they have they have different laws different ways of living and then there are all these categories in between but dimensions is something different so you can be in the fifth dimension on a ninth category planet or you can be in the fourth dimension on a fifth category planet like it's yeah it's quite interesting how it, it all works but dimension but dimension is just awareness of uh, of who you are in space and Well, in space and time and outside of space and time, really, it's that multidimensional awareness. That's how I Mm -hmm. put the fifth dimension. And so there are many beings that are on this planet that are living in that fifth dimension because they have that awareness and they can manipulate that. Like there's a guy on YouTube. I've, I've had a few people on the show that know how to astral travel at will, like just can pop out of their body and be in another reality. Uh, on an astral plane so they're already living in the fifth dimension and psychics yeah. are all also accessing the fifth dimension like me channelers psychics when we're communicating with different forms different different organizations of intelligence so when we're talking to spirit guides and dead people and you know higher selves and galactic consciousness we're already operating in a fifth dimensional reality yeah yeah
0: and, you know, to go back to the Yuga cycles and this, the books on the Yuga cycles, it speaks on there. It's interesting because they're not speaking about ETs per se. They're just talking more general, but you can really just kind of interchange the words to the, our reality. And they say that at the beginning of each age, there are avatars that are born that are, are emissaries of the next age, right? Yeah. So the next age is the Aquarian age, the ascended age, the fifth dimension, whatever you want to call it, the Yuga. So there's all these people that come in that are tapped into that frequency to actualize it. And in t- their purpose is to grassroots, make have everybody on earth start thinking at that frequency. And then when we all start thinking, because reality first is a thought form, you know? And then if we all have those same similar thought forms of what is possible for us, then it starts becoming more of a physical real- realization.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Critical mass. Wow, Neil, we've been all over the cosmos today. this yeah, has this been, has been a, fun. This been a really cool conversation. <laughs> it's interesting because we're streaming on Portal to Ascension. You've got so many questions. I don't know how many. I've got a few. Um, oh, yeah, I've got quite a few people. We've got quite a few people on both platforms asking questions. So we can't keep up. I haven't kept up with all the questions, and I haven't even seen the questions on Facebook. Sorry about that. <laughs> so. But it's cool going streaming. I might do all my shows streaming from now on. It's just so much easier than recording and It's fun, it's and fun editing. right, when you have people yeah. there.
0: Well, yeah. like, you know, before you do your closing segment, um, since we're on my platform too, please share as well where people can find out and subscribe to your content too.
1: Well, on YouTube, it's, um, I think it's um, at Blissful Beings. I started the YouTube. Blissful Beings is what I call my mob. Life is a journey of infinite possibility blissful beings it's what I call um, my spirit guides I used to call them the mob when I first realized I was talking to a consciousness outside of my own understanding and then I thought oh I better give them a prettier name so I started calling them blissful beings (laughs) and uh, but my show the podcast show is called accentuate the positive media uh, awakening and expanding consciousness or ATP media and you can see it I'm on all the platforms now I'm on rumble and odyssey and brighty on and Bitute and god and daily motion i'm on all of them because i had a few taken down mind you i had one taken down the other day neil and i Four. challenged it and i challenged it i was talking to um it's my Cosme, what's her name about sarah atlantis Regine. sarah yeah. Br- yeah and about atlantis and we were talking about um, the allopathic, you know, like that they had a similar thing happen then that we went through, and they had, yeah. you know, the yeah, I don't yeah, even I want know. to say, you know what I And and um and so the AI bots, you know, recognized the words and they just took down. And so I challenged it and realized that we were talking about Atlantis. We weren't even talking about now. And they said, oh yeah, and they put it back up again. I'm like, thank you very much. I wish I had, cha- I wish oh, I had man. challenged the other ones that were taken down because I didn't challenge the other ones. But I'm like I've had two?
0: eight videos been taken out in four months because of the same thing, and wow. the last one was conversation with a walk-in extraterrestrial. Really, I challenged them all, and they said no to all of them. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So playing with other platforms. Found, yeah, I'm looking for new platforms. So uh, Adam Apollo is going to launch his new platform this year too. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because you did a. I actually recorded it. You did an ama- He did an amazing talk on one of your conferences recently. Like Mm -hmm. I can hang on to that guy's every word. I just love that guy.
0: Adam is incredible.
1: Adam is incredible. So he was talking at one of your conferences. So do you want to tell people about what's going on? You've got the Arcturian conference coming up, which I think I'm speaking at. I think I am.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You're speaking on that one. Uh, So I'll let everybody know what's happening with Portal to Ascension. Uh, We are, you know, our new site is launching this week in like a week and a half or so. And I know we have a new site already, but this has been the halfway mark. So the new website Uh, we've been in just the fine details of it all. And it's kind of like when you have that project that you keep saying, oh, tweak this, tweak that, tweak this. And then you do that so long that almost it's like two and a half years later. And you're like, maybe we should just launch it. (laughs) So I'm kind of at that place right now where we're just like, okay, we'll make the rest of the changes later. So we're going to launch it. And it's going to be look. It's going to look so amazing, so robust. We have a year and a half of events, almost every single week, that's going to be listed on there. We have a thousand past events on there. We have three thousand plus hours of free content. We have the ability to search by speaker, search by topic. We have hundreds of topics. It's like, you know, um, Netflix on steroids plus consciousness. You know, for lack of yeah. a better term. Fabulous! It's fabulous. But, you know, what I did, you know, I honestly I went to Amazon Prime, I went to Netflix, I went to four or five different um, platforms, and I took the best features of all of them and I put it in our website, guys. Right, so amazing! Like it is phenomenal site, and just three thousand hours of free content, but we have ten thousand hours of content altogether since two thousand eight with hundreds of speakers. So please do check it out. Sign up portaltoextension.org, and what's coming up soon is this weekend on January 27th, portal to upcoming events, Laura Eisenhower, Astrology of 2024, and Galactic Awakening. Um, the next weekend, we have Sari and Michael White, Arcturian Integration, and the Joy Ray. So Arcturian channeling and messages on the Arcturian, Arcturians. On Saturday, on, the, on February 17th, the first ever, I would say, conference on the Essenes and ancient Judea. So it's called uh-huh. the Essenes in Ancient Judea Conference. There's going to be like 10 of us speaking and we're going deep. Like it's it just happens to go hand in hand with the fact that there's actually things going on in that area right now. So mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about um, just the, the scenes in Ancient Judea in general, but I'm going to bring in the ancestral healing to the actual deeper truth of what happened thousands of years ago that is playing out in that area right now. So that's on wow. February, February um, 1, got- 18th. February when,
1: 18th? 18th? February 17th. 17th. Okay.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Karen, if you want to join any of these and check it out, let me know too, because there's going to be some really good you know, info shared. Well, I'd be and interested
1: have... to hear about what the Essenes are saying about ancient. All right, ancient I'll Virginia. give you that Interesting. access. Interesting. Yeah. So
0: Brad Olsen, Lost History of Our Prediluvian Origins on February 24th, Extraterrestrial Genetic Discoveries and the Enigma of Hybrid Extraterrestrial mm-hmm. Beings, March 9th. And then, you know, fast forwarding a few weeks, Karen's going to be in uh, a conference, with us as well and this is the first conference that we've ever put together specifically on the arcturians so that's on april 28th all day conference around nine and a half hours boom non-stop arcturian information and it's probably going to become an annual event so we have a lot of things coming up at portal to ascension best thing to do is just go to portalscension.org upcoming events check it out there and if you really want to support us guys and you know just um, be a part of everything we're doing and support the work we're creating search Portal to Ascension on the internet and just, you know, sign up for our, subscribe to our YouTube, join our Instagram, instagram.com says Portal to Ascension, and join our newsletter as well.
1: Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. So if people want to go back, because we, we scheduled this for the beginning of the year and that didn't happen because you wanted to talk about the ancient history and you did a mm-hmm. conference on that. If people are interested in that topic and they, can they watch the recording of that conference?
0: Yes. Um, so we did a conference called the true world history conference. It was a three day okay. event that was mm-hmm. back in December, I believe. And, um, it was probably honestly like one of the most fully encompassing events in the world that's ever taken place specifically on the true history of humanity, nine hours wow. a day of history information. And if you're interested in that, go, go to the past events, archives on portal to ascension and you can sign up there three days. You get unlimited replay access. And that's really, really informative because it goes deeper into prehistory and evidence that shows that we've been on this planet much longer than we've been told. And the main thing is the fact that before 13,000 years ago, before the Great Flood, pre-Diluvian civilizations, that there are so many more advanced civilizations on the planet here. So really redefining our awareness around, um, oh, we're the most advanced we've ever been to yeah. wait a second, who are all these civilizations and how did it create these structures that they created, right? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you can check that one out. And we also did a free Starbings conference four days uh, in a row. We ended last week. And that's also available on our YouTube as well for everybody wow. to tune into.
1: I know you're a busy guy. I think I read in my 20s in the Seth books. I think Seth talked about a civilization that evolved, that wanted to evolve aggression out of their DNA, which they successfully did. Uh, they moved into an advanced state of being on planet Earth. They were one of those civilizations that evolved and then died out. But when they evolved the aggression out of their DNA, they couldn 't fight against the elements because they had no aggression in their in their being and they couldn 't fight against like they couldn 't protect themselves against storms and wind and so they moved underground and they lived underground and they used sound as their technology, so they used sound to propel their vehicles. They used it to paint. They used it to cook with. And, um, yeah, so that was, and then they died out. Wow. Yeah, that, very, that was in the Seth deep. books, you, you know, channeled yeah. through through uh, Jane Roberts in the 60s. So, yeah, there's been so many amazing, you know, races and beings and experiences that have happened on this planet. So much, so different. That, that our history doesn't even attempt to go into. Like, No, way. exactly.
0: You know, we're getting so many good questions, Karen. If you want to stay on for a couple of hours, let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, so Juliana is saying, is AI driven by ETs? What do you think? I already know your answer, but maybe you want to elaborate.
1: Well, I got immediately yes and no.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, The technology is driven by ETs. The intention behind it is driven by humans. That's what I got. Mm-hmm. What did you get?
0: The way I say that again, the technology.
1: Is driven by ETs. The intention, Uh the way we use it is driven by humans. So what we're we're doing. We're talking about AI, right? Doing with it. Yeah. We're talking about AI. Yeah. Yeah. What we're doing with it. Okay.
0: Yeah. So I don't know about that one. Um, I would say that when it comes to AI is controlled by, what is the question again here?
1: Driven, driven by, what's the question? Is
0: AI driven by ETs? Ah, so is the AI that we're seeing on the planet from ETs? Is that probably what she's asking? So I feel that there is AI that is ET connected, but then there's also AI that isn't ET connected.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I had a woman on the show a few times, uh, me and names. Anyway, and she is connected to the Greys. And and as a kid, she had all these experiences. And um, she talked about the advanced technology that they were giving us. And one of them was x-ray machines. Like there's there's this advance that has actually come out since she was a kid. She's in her 60s now, maybe even 70s. So she was given this information as a kid and now we're seeing it on the planet. So it's a it's a handheld device where you can scan the body and you can x-ray the body, but you can see the blood vessels and the bones. You can sort of shift it and see different things within the body. And I asked her a question. She came out to Australia to do a speech, a talk once. And I said, if I learned in energy medicine to be that a human x-ray machine, like I could look inside your body, then surely why do we need the hardware if we can do it with our consciousness? And, and I said, surely they're more advanced. They're so advanced that they use their consciousness to do what we're doing with hardware. And she said, Oh, absolutely. They didn't develop the hardware for their civilization. They developed it for our civilization as Mm -hmm. a stepping stone, moving into knowing that. So it's like this, this hardware we're using to be on Zoom, right? We could do this telepathically and everybody who was telepathic can tune in, who's tuning in whether now or later could do it, but we're using hardware to do what we can do with our consciousness. We just haven't involved. So what they're showing me is that the AI that they're giving us is again, that stepping stone, the technology of it, the hardware of it But what we're doing with it, it's like fire. You can burn down somebody's house or you can cook a meal. Like what you do with the technology is human driven. The the technology itself is given to us from advanced civilizations. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like the level of consciousness that we're at is what defines how it's used. Everything exactly. is neutral until that element of the human element comes. Right.
1: Right, Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah.
0: just for everybody out there, we're going to do an AI series on YouTube. So especially if you haven't subscribed, you want to go ahead and subscribe, because we're going to do a whole series on AI where we're going to have people neutral and we're going to have people on both sides. Like it might get heated at times because there are some people that are just admit that AI is evil. You know? Yeah, I know. On the other side of it all. So I feel we'll do like a two or three part series. Yeah you know, I had a I had a couple of on, come on mate, with us
1: I had a couple on the show a few years ago who channeled the Arcturians. they're a partner a husband and wife and they use their both their consciousness to channel the messages and they're like get rid of your iphone get rid of your computer <laughs> they're like no you know like they were so against it and I I it was really extreme and I was like okay because they actually came from a future reality where it had all gone pear shaped so uh-huh. So that was their reality. So there was a big warning from them. But I think the warning is not the it's not the AI itself. It's, again, the consciousness around what we're doing with it. So are we going to do it to rip people yeah. off? Are we Are going to do it to, to trick people, to kill people? Are we going to do it to advance the civilization? Like, what are we going to do with it? Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's inevitable, too. It's here to stay. So yeah. It's going to disappear. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, okay. Let me ask you a question on this. So there's uh-huh. this idea that there are these AI bots that infect universes. And yeah. then there's been an idea that there's going to be some solar flash that's going to kill all the AI bots and we won't be infected by it. What do you think of, about that stream of thought?
0: So I already know a couple of people that are really famous in this world that speak on that. Uh-huh. Many people tuning in probably are into them. So I don't want to like get too much into speaking on specific things that can connect to others, you know, because... Um, There's people, some out there that are just saying, like, that is what happened to our galaxy and our solar system, that yeah, AI yeah. has done that. Now, yeah. I feel, right, tuning into this, that some ET races that maybe have negative intentions and agenda have used AI and certain technologies to infest certain areas, but it's not maybe a hive mind like in star trek you know the hive is like this um this ai robots that go and take over that is just purely disconnected i feel that certain races could have utilized technology like that plus i think a lot of et races have their own ai they have their own self-organizing mechanisms and and um, spacecraft and stuff that are organic but aren't uh, maybe don't have a, a soul like, even a spacecraft, that's an organic spacecraft that actually has its own uh, ability to to make its own decisions, right? Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. doesn't isn't a spacecraft with an actual soul in it. Would that be mm-hmm. AI, you know? Mm-hmm. So I feel that this technology that is what well, we would classify as AI being utilized throughout the galaxy, but it's the level of consciousness. Now, whether there's, like, some sort of, like like we see in a lot of those movies where there's this AI like um, structure in the middle of the universe and it's going from galaxy to galaxy in order to take over and destroy worlds. Right. I don't, that I don't re- really feel is going on.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, it could be going on in somebody's reality, but, because, you know, we can create any experience, right. We can create what you yeah. could create, well, what you imagine. If you imagine that you want to experience it, go for it.
0: Right. Right. And as I said that, I almost have to say the opposite of what I just said too, (laughs) because (laughs) to be I like, I had to catch myself immediately. I already believe that everything under the sun is happening and is happening and can happen. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So now if that is affecting our reality and we've been infused with AI, because that's when it gets to a lot of uh, some people out there saying, well, we are being taken over to this AI hive mind in our reality right now, trying to destroy us. I don't, I don't really know if that's the case or not. I know that I feel that there's a lot of extraterrestrial agendas on this planet, and some of them aren't aren't nefarious, right? But whether the source of that is AI, I'm not too sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's the AI question. All right. Well, we might, how long have we been yakking? We've been on here for ages. Indigo, Almost what you saying? Yeah. Nice, Julian. Exactly. I think there may be AI from Armand. Yeah, there's lots of amazing. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. It's been amazing to be streaming on Portal to Ascension as well as my. I'm on my Facebook, streaming on my Facebook and streaming on um, YouTube. And yeah, I only have how many platforms can I have? How many streaming platforms can you stream on, Neil? You're streaming on like what, 10, 12? I'm only streaming yeah, on, on about, StreamYard,
0: like five, or like six, seven, I think. On StreamYard. Six or
1: seven. I'm only streaming on about four, I think, at the moment. But it's been fun. It's been fun. It's a it it's yearly catch-up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> thanks yeah. again this has for been being very on. inspirational. Thank you,
1: yeah. Cam. Yeah, well, thanks for finally coming on. <laughs> it's always it it's always fun. We made it happen. It's always fun to talk because I, I uh, anyway, as I said to you, I had a feeling you might not make the last one, and then I booked no, someone in this. To, I booked someone really in did. this week, but I didn't book them in on the time that I had booked you in. Yeah. Because I thought he might show up, he might not. And I booked somebody else. I was telling Neil before we press the recording and she showed up in her dressing gown and she didn't have any microphone or lighting on. And I said, could you change that? And she said, no. And I said, no, forget it. I'm not going to talk to you. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to spend, you know, two days talking to you and editing and stuff if you can't even, you know, turn up outside of your dressing gown. Like, could you put some clothes on? <laughs> anyway.
0: <laughs> well, I think it was meant to happen now. I wasn't meant ready to back then, you know. And honestly, like my internet went down an hour ago and I didn't think it was going to come back on. So I was like, oh, my God, I got to text Karen to say I cancel again. Oh, my and then God. And it miraculously came back on for you.
1: There so, you go. There you yeah. go. They're looking after us. Thanks again, Dying It's always a joy Thank and a you. pleasure to talk to you. I look forward Thanks, to everyone. channeling the Arcturians during the next conference and um, checking out more of what you've got going on on Portal to Ascension. Big love.
0: Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to Portal to Ascension Radio. Be sure to visit portaltoascension.org to access our extensive library of presentations and sign up for exclusive content, and connect with us on Instagram at Portal to Ascension. Now is the time that we've been waiting for, and we exist to assist in laying the foundation for a new world that works for the upliftment for all of humanity. Until next time, continue the quest, push the boundaries of your understanding, and we will all ascend to greater heights.